Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. We live in the beginning of the end times. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us just how close we are to the tribulation period. As we enter this time where war will be rampant, we need to be prepared. The only weapons we possess is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. So don't neglect the only defense you carry. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on May 1st, 2022. I'd like to begin reading in verse 5 of Psalm 91, and I would really encourage you in your own time and God's Word to spend time in this psalm. Verse 5, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the, interesting, pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked. Can't wait. Oh, don't look at me like that. It says it right here. You shall look with your eyes and see. Because God's going to have the final word, by the way. Because, verse 9, you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, (laughs) no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You, verse 13, shall tread upon the lion and the cobra? Wait, what? Hang on. Yes, cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Translated, what are you afraid of now? Okay. We need to talk about the whole cobra thing, right? I think I'd be grossly remiss were I not to, at the very least, provide you with a follow-up on this cobra theory that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. 
As I mentioned in those updates, it is incumbent upon you to do your own research on this, as I'm still vetting the credibility of this. I think we would all err greatly to throw the proverbial baby of truth out with the bathwater of deception, which is actually exactly what Satan wants. That's his M.O., modus operandi. I suppose you could say that, in all fairness, the jury is still out as to the possibility that there's some truth to this, despite how it comes. And by that I mean who presents it, how one proposes it, and the way one packages it should propel us to God's Word to validate it. That's what Jesus did when Satan tempted him in the wilderness. By the way, Psalm 91, he twisted that dashing your foot against the stone, and he just mixed, just, he tried this with Jesus, because he thought, because it worked with Eve in the garden, he, he packages and wraps just enough truth around the lie so it's believable. So we buy the lie. And make no mistake about it, Satan knows Scripture better than you and I ever will. So he takes the truth and he says, okay, let's just kind of tweak this just a little bit. And what was the Savior's response? Oh, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. It is written. Nice try. He didn't say that. (laughs) Nice try. Now, that's not what it says. It doesn't say that. It says this. This is why it is so important to know the Word of God. We talked about this on Thursday night. That was a rough chapter, Jeremiah 5. But I mean, it's just, Jeremiah is just, cannot wrap his mind around how it is that the prophets are prophesying falsely, the priests are corrupted, and the people love to have it so. And here's Jeremiah going, God, they're lying! They're lying and the people are believing the lie. It's almost like they want them to be lied to. I had no intention of going here, but maybe this is for someone here. In Jeremiah chapter 6, he says, here's the problem, Jeremiah. Uh, Everyone is dealing falsely with each other, saying to each other, peace, peace, when there's no peace. They're lying. These are false prophets prophesying falsely, and the priests are no better. They in their power have been corrupted. I called it the three P's, the prophets, the priests, and the people. 
and the people love to have it so. Don't tell us that. Only tell us what our ears are itching to hear. Yeah, but it's not the truth. I know, but I don't want to hear the truth. And Satan knows that, by the way, right? So, okay, let's take the truth, and let's just kind of tweak it a little bit, and we'll just put some new wrapping paper on it, and here you go. Oh, okay. Did you know that, and this is a tough one for me, because this has been so abused and misused and misquoted, but there's been seemingly a resurgence of interest in Ephesians chapter 6 as it relates to the armor of God. Paul writing to the Corinthians said, our weaponry is not carnal, it's spiritual. This is spiritual armor. So what, we're going to use spiritual armor to fight a worldly battle? How's that work? No, it doesn't. But did you know that in that armor there is only one offensive piece of armor, and it's the sword of the Spirit. Everything else is defensive, but it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And if we're to have any hope of defeating the enemy in this spiritual battle, it has to be with the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. It's that decisive blow. And this is why Psalm 91 is so apropos. It speaks to our propensity to be given over to fear, especially with everything that is happening in the world today. And one of the main reasons that Psalm 91 in particular is so powerful is because of the promise of protection woven into its fabric. Volumes have been written about this one psalm, some of which include numerous and miraculous testimonies. One such writing comes from Peggy Joyce Ruth in the military edition of her book, Psalm 91, God's Shield of Protection. In it, she writes about a story that's told from Corey Ten Boom's clippings from my notebook. She writes, quote, Many people came to know and trust the Lord during World War II. One was an Englishman who was held in a German prison camp for a long period of time. One day he read Psalm 91. Father in heaven, he prayed, I see all these men dying around me, one after the other. Will I also have to die here? I am still young, and I very much want to work in your kingdom here on earth. He received this answer. Rely on what you have just read and go home. Trusting in the Lord, he got up and walked into the corridor toward the gate. A guard called out, Prisoner, where are you going? I am under the protection of the Most High, he replied. The guard came to attention and let him pass. 
for Adolf Hitler was known as the Most High. He came to the gate where a group of guards stood. They commanded him to stop and asked where he was going. I am under the protection of the Most High. All the guards stood at attention as he walked out the gate. The English officer made his way through the German countryside and eventually reached England, where he told how he had made his escape. He was the only one to come out of that prison alive. That's one of countless testimonies. Do not be afraid. Do not be given over to fear. Now, just because we're not to fear that which is coming, doesn't mean that we're not prudent in preparing for that which is coming. This is Proverbs 22.3. It's also 27.12. The prudent see danger and take refuge. Oh, where am I taking refuge? Oh, in the shadow of His wings, the Most High. So I see danger coming. Things are happening. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to take refuge in the Lord. But the Proverbs continues, the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Now, let me hasten to say that any preparations we make as the Lord leads each individual should always be by faith and not in fear. And this brings me to what I need to warn you about concerning what's coming. So we're prepared by faith, and as such not given over to fear. I'm going to start with a prophecy that, just one prophecy, (laughs) specific to the controlled demolition, because that's what it is, of the global financial system vis-a-vis hyperinflation that will ultimately find its fulfillment in the seven-year tribulation. And this prophecy is found in Revelation chapter 6. And by the way, Revelation chapters 6 through 19 are all about the seven-year tribulation. Now why do I say that? Because the word church, not saints, church, is not found one time in Revelation chapters 6 through 19, dealing with the seven-year tribulation. Why is the word church not found in Revelation chapter 6 through 19? Because the church is not in the tribulation. Okay, I'm going to calm down because... I'm sorry, Lord. I... Oh, by the way, 19 times the word church is found in chapters 1 through 3. But when you get to the prophecies that will be fulfilled in the seven-year tribulation, chapter 6 or 19, not one time. 
let me go backward just a little bit real quick. The purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. Whenever I get into a discussion, which by the way, I haven't been in one for a while, and maybe that's a good thing and a God thing, but whenever I get into a conversation with somebody that takes me to task on the pre-tribulation rapture doctrine, I always like to ask them how it is and why it is that they would ever imagine that the Lord would allow His bride to go through the seven-year tribulation. What would be the purpose? That's, that's the question I, I always ask. Nobody's able to answer it. Well, I did get one answer one time, very interesting by the way. Well, the bride has to be purified. Oh, that sounds like works to me. we got to prove ourselves. Oh, really? Why, why would God allow His bride to get all bus up before the wedding? Okay, is that too much? I mean, I, it's true though, isn't it? My wife and I have been married for 33 years this year. We courted for two years. I know that's a foreign word to young people. We courted for two years before we got married. And uh, I couldn't wait. I literally had, this is back in the day, I had, it was an actual calendar that was on the wall. And I would mark the days until our wedding day. I couldn't wait. We're the bride. What purpose does having us go into and through in any part the seven-year tribulation? We're already saved. What's the point? And you cannot say, oh, we've got a hunker down and buckle up. What? Where's that in here? I, I don't see hunker down, I see look up. Okay, so this prophecy, all that to say this, this is Revelation chapter 6, this is in the tribulation. Now what I want to really draw your attention to is that we're already now, prior to the tribulation, seeing prophecies that will be fulfilled in the tribulation already starting. And such is the case here. Verse 5, Revelation 6. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse, its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. This is commerce, trade, buying and selling. Then I heard, verse 6, what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages, and six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, verse 7, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power, listen to this, over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, 
famine and plague and by the wild beasts of the earth. 25% of the population, let's just say for purpose of, of discussion, it's 8 billion. If my numbers are correct, and I think they are, that's 2 billion people. When this prophecy is fulfilled, they're going to be killed. How are they going to be killed? Well, we're told very specifically, by the sword, that's war, by famine, no food, by plague, and by wild beasts of the earth. Let's focus in on this famine thing. For those who are interested, we did a deep dive into this in our update back on December 6th of 2020, titled The Great Setup. And again, we have the link to that on the website. In it, we looked at a 12-step outline of sorts that I have permission to share from someone who has tremendous discernment and insight into this. And this is 2020. Well, back in February, he emailed me again, and I want you to listen to what he had to say. I wanted to give you a little update on something that I'm keeping my eye on from a monetary perspective. I have evaluated that the response to COVID-19 was not related to a health crisis, but used to manage a monetary crisis. I postulated that the lockdowns were really intended to slow the velocity of money. Let me explain that real quick. Velocity is the speed with which money circulates throughout the economy. And by the way, it just plummeted again. That's how fast the money circulates through the economy. You have to have the velocity of money. So they deliberately intentionally slowed the velocity of money in order to allow central banks and governments to print and inject tens of trillions of dollars of currency into the system, preventing an early collapse. The lockdown slowed the velocity of money and inflationary spike, hang on to that, that would have occurred if economies were running wide open. He goes on to say this, if we see a rapid reversal of the lockdown policy globally, then this may be the signal that the inflationary trap has been set and it's time to open up the economy and let the velocity of money spike, leading to very high rates of inflation. Hmm. Very high rates of inflation will trigger a crisis in the debt markets as bondholders sell bonds, because the real rate of return turns sharply negative, and it has. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you've heard today may have encouraged you in your faith, and at times it may have brought up more questions that you would like answered. 
If you're wanting to get in touch with us, go to jdfarag.org and find the contact link at the bottom of the page. That's jdfarag.org. There, you can let us know some of the questions you might have, and we'll get back to you and try to answer those questions as best we can. While you're on our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. If what Pastor J.D. shared today has you really confused about what it means to know Jesus and life beyond this life, there's a resource for you that might be helpful. At jdfarag.org, find the ABCs tab. This will walk you through what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus and what that means for you going forward. Once again, our website is jdfarag.org. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Just scroll to the bottom and click on Calvary. Again, that's jdfarag.org. Thanks for listening in to the Prophecy Update for today. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. The Bible and its prophecies are not to be taken lightly. And so we'll keep digging in on In Spirit and Truth.